Come chat with Libby, Molly, and Samantha, the ladies of Consignment Chats, as we build a resourceful community of collaborative resellers. Hey, y'all. Welcome to episode 135. Hi, ladies. What's going on? Hello. Hey, y'all. Hey, y'all. Hey, y'all. We're coming at you on this lovely day. This is going to be one of our just talk unedited fun episodes. I have no voice or very little, as you can see her here. Um, Samantha's on the men, so who knows what she'll she'll do over the time. The only one that's sitting here bright and shiny is Libby in her new space. So if you are on podcast, you cannot see her new space, but we are thrilled that she has moved and is all set up. So yep. we are ready to go. And you know what we're going to talk about today? I mean, it could go left, it could go right, I don't know, but I have had so many conversations with resellers recently about how do you price your items? Like, how do you know what you're going to price certain Mm -hmm. items for? What is your process in deciding that pricing? Do you go the long route? And of course, to me, all of this can be broken down into so many different ways. And to me, it all depends on who you are. How long have you been doing it? You know, my process was a heck of a lot longer when I first started 12 years ago, 11, whenever it was, Libby, 10, 12, 11 years ago, 11, 11 years ago, right in the middle. Um, It was a heck of a lot longer than than it is now. Now I'm much faster with deciding a price. So I think we should break this down and just start talking about different categories that come into your business and your thought process and maybe what you used to do, if there's changes to what you used to do to what you do now and uh, see if any of our chit chat might help somebody else in speeding up their price determination. Yeah, I know, Molly, you and I have had this conversation several times uh, because when you thrift things, we price differently than when we consign things and we're under a time crunch because we want to sell things on those consign. So there's a difference there um, as well in where the item might originate. You might have a different way of pricing it or a different structure um yeah that's very true so should we break down real quick and talk about that consignment structure and kind of what you do as far as figuring out your pricing in the consignment world and yeah let's recreate those conversations we've had let's do that I want to talk about clothing let's start with clothing because clothing is something a lot of people do Samantha just made a face if you're on podcast that looked like she was about to put her lunch out on the table Um, I hate clothes. I mean, I sell a lot of them. You have to like it. They're great. Yeah. I hate them. But the origin of our last discussion was actually uh, New Balance sneakers. Molly and I both had New Balance men's sneakers, several pair. um, And I think one or two of them might have been the same style codes. Yeah, well, and, the only ones I had were the same as yours. I had okay. two that I listed that I got, I got like, I think a month before yours came in and then yours came in and you put yours up. Yeah. And I put my price much lower. So of course my phone's ringing. She's like, what the hell is this price you have? Same store, same eBay store. Uh, what the hell is this price you have on these New Balance sneakers? You're undercutting me. Uh, And I said, you know, so we had that discussion and uh, my process for going through and looking up uh, the pricing was, you know, looked up the style code, used Terapeak, which is uh, 
if you have an eBay store, you have access to Terra Peak and you can research the historical pricing for the past two years and uh, also look at the sell-through rate and what's active and, you know, put all that research in. Um, but anyway, uh, but my price was lower because I don't necessarily price the highest because I have 60 days to sell that item for the consigner. Molly is not under that time constraint. If she sources something, um, she can price a little bit higher because it doesn't matter so much to you if it sells within that 60-day time period. So you can hold out a little bit more for that higher price. And I think about it two ways too. My money is in it, right? So I've actually mm -hmm. invested in that product. Yeah. So I need to make sure too that I'm making enough to have made it worth me going to that facility that I sourced that item, paid for that item, brought it home and listed it. I need to make sure I'm covering my cost in that and earning enough to make it worth my while. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's a whole different thought process. Yeah. But I think I think you should list as high as you can, Libby, for the first week at least before you go. Yeah, that you know that's the point. That's where mine is. So I do the six month period for my consigners. So not, and I follow that for a lot of my own stuff as well. Um, higher end things or certain specialty things, I will keep for like a year. But for the most part, my my terms are about the same for all of my stuff. But I price high right off the bat, and then I can just lower it as time goes on. But I think a lot of it too, is just knowing as, as you keep doing this and as you get more experience, just knowing that certain brands and certain things, you know, you just get a generalization of, of what things are going for. However, I find myself getting comfortable with that sometimes. And I'll go to actually comp something and I'll be like, Oh, wait, that went up. Or that brand is, I didn't realize that was an anthropology brand. I was going to price it at my normal cardigan price of, you know, whatever. And that one is, is a little bit better. So you don't want to get too comfortable either in that. Yeah. We always had like a, like, I know for me, if I get a lower, cause I'll take some lower end brands, but I don't like to go below $19. Right. So if I get an old Navy blouse, I'm going to price it at $19 and I know it's $19 and if I get mm -hmm. a loft t-shirt I'm going to price it at $19 and um so those things kind of speed up the process when you're taking lower end items but yeah you can get a little bit a little bit too comfortable in that one off I'm thinking of a special old navy sweater I had that was highly sought after it had a picture of a fox on it and I thought Mm, something about something about it just spoke to me and I'm like I better look this up and it sold like over $50 for an old navy sweater so there are right. those like little exceptions so don't get too comfortable and assume that you can price something and Zara I know is like that like if a celebrity wears a certain style you mm -hmm. know most of their stuff is low end low price but there are those certain styles that you might you might want to check it out and look it up yeah I kind of set myself a ballpark where I know certain things. And we started doing this in the storefront after a while where you got to where you just knew, you know, these jeans sell, let's mark all these jeans at 29, all these jeans mm -hmm. at 19. And you just knew when they came in pretty much, except like you say, the more you're in the business, the more you have those whoa moments like you did with the fox sweater. Like mm -hmm. I say, when I go sourcing, I can just run my hand along certain clothing and touch and feel that this is a better higher end 
piece of clothing and pull it and look it up because I can just tell. You start the more you're in it, the more experience you have with the clothing, the more you're touching and having this clothing come in your door, the more you're learning and you're able as you go forward to go, nope, you know. Mm -hmm. So my my husband laughed at me the other night. We were in the living room. And he, we're watching a show together and I was going through consignment that I had just gotten in. And I always just go through it, look for stains, look for flaws, whatever. And I have like my auction pile for stuff I'm just going to sell quickly locally or a rag pile or things like that. And so I'm going through and I'm sorting. And most of the stuff I pulled up and I looked at tags and I did the whole thing. And there was one thing I picked up and I went, uh-uh. And I just put it right in, in like a Goodwill pile. And he's like, what was that? And I was like, I'm not selling that. And he goes, you don't even know what it is. And I was like, it don't feel right. I'm not selling that. And he's like, okay. And I'm like, no, it's probably a perfectly fine shirt, but nope. I <laughs> it doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel right. And it is because you've been in the business long enough to know. I mean, it's just like you can look at something and know if it's a vintage knockoff versus truly a vintage item now, because you've been in it long enough to know that nine times out of 10, there's always that one that might slip by you sometimes, but you you get to learn that. And so I kind of find myself categorizing things as, as I've mentioned in other episodes, I'm trying to get my price point up to 39. Is it always going to be there? No, because sometimes I like to put other items in the store just because maybe I love listing it. It caught my eye. Maybe it's got a special memory of, you know, my childhood and I wanted to get it and put it in the store because I wanted to photograph it. Whatever. There may be some lower, but across the board, I try to do 39 and up. So um, I am that person who always goes up on my price. Like I go through Terapeak. I hit the sale to see what the highest are first. And I also will take a quick second to check and make sure that those with the highest are top rated sellers, kind of what are they an existing store kind of thing and who they are. Because if you go off the, like on your iPhone, just the numbers that you search sometimes, it can, it can be tricky because a lot of new people on eBay just put an auction up for 99 cents and that item might sell for 29. And then you go, oh my gosh, that was like a $300 item. Like I could have gotten $300. I had yeah. that happen last night. I was comping something. So I pull up the sold comps. I honestly hardly ever look at what's currently for sale. I just look at sold comps and I pulled them up, but this was for a vintage 1950s toy Big Bang Cannon. Ooh. And yeah, so it's like an all metal. It had plastic wheels, but the rest of it's all metal. And you could actually put things in this and shoot it. it yeah toys they don't make anymore i'll tell you that (laughs) so (laughs) that went the way the candy cigarettes i'm afraid right but i can still sell it online on like charts so we're good so wait don't lose your thought but when when we went to um mayberry to i forget the name of the town here in north carolina to have lunch with amy and stewart mount airy with amy and stewart stewart always wanted to go there we went and got an ice cream at a soda shop and they had the candy cigarettes, but they do not call them candy cigarettes anymore. They candy call them sticks. like, I forget the name of them. Something candy. Sticks. Yeah. They don't it's call candy them. sticks. Yeah. Yeah. No, Even I, though I, they're I, not, I, you know, they're in a cigarette looking box and all. They're still the same. <laughs> they change the name. Go That's ahead. Funny. I love old soda shops, by the way. That sounds great. I know. Um. Oh, so I looked it up. I looked up comps and. 
it drives me nuts. There was like eight recently sold in there and most of them were auctions and they'd had three or four bids. They sold for like $25 plus shipping. And I'm like, oh, this is disappointing. And then I scrolled farther and I'm like, oh, the buy it nows are selling for a hundred or 95 or okay. That's a little bit better. So mm-hmm. Then I did, I did actually look and see what some were currently listed for. There's none currently listed. I did a couple different keyword searches and I couldn't find any. So I listed mine, like, I think like 139 or something like that. I just listed it up and then, but it, that drives me nuts is when I do those comps and I see like, okay, it's selling for this. They weren't even taking offers hundred bucks, hundred bucks, 95. Mm -hmm. And then somebody did an auction and you, you screw up the whole thing because you only got 25 out of your, out of your item. Oh yeah. So I, a a lot of times if I see it's from another country or it's an auction, I don't even pay attention to it when I'm looking for pricing. And I recommend that for everybody. Don't pay attention to that. Don't. All right. So how would you have priced it, Molly? Let's, let's do a little, let's do a little go around. We have the information on it now. We know what the comps are. We know there's none available. Yeah. I probably priced it way low. I'm sure. What was the highest comp you saw? 100 even 100. even yeah, 100. I'd, have, I'd have gone like 179 i would have gone 198 yeah okay uh, yeah i went like 139 i might i might up it <clears throat> they're easy to get and i'm going to talk at the end i'm going to share some really cool tips on getting the highest price so you're at the mind me I know, I know. Got to keep, got to keep our now people I interested. Have, yeah, yeah, now I have to stay till the end. Yeah, I know. I was getting ready to go. Dang. Right, it's easy to go. It's easy to go down with all of that. I'm specifically talking about. Well, you can do it on Poshmark too, but it's easier to go down than it is to raise your price because you can run a sale. You can do um, promoted listings, so it's probably almost always better to price a little higher. Because mm-hmm. I think it's a little higher. Especially if you take offers on eBay, which a lot of, you know, it's recommended often that you do put your things where you'll accept offers because it gets mm-hmm. higher out there. So most established stores will do a lot of that. Not all, but a lot of them do. So th- I always price with that in mind that, you know, probably 60% are going to send an offer in, maybe 50%. A lot of them so- just buy, but the, but I get just as many who put offers in. So I always up that a little to make sure I'm covering that. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I do love offers. And if you go through my solds, most, most of my listings have lines through them for the sold price. Yeah. Cause I, I take offers. I go back and forth with people. Now, that being said, there is a very similar model of the same one that only has two wheels. Mine has four. Those are readily available and people can buy them and they're much cheaper. Okay. So I I try not to pay attention to that because it's not the exact same item. No. Um, but there are still toy cannon, 24-inch toy cannons out there that are. I think that four-wheeler is so. a rarity. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, sure. all right. Well, I might up that. I don't know if I've cross-listed it yet. So that's the other thing, too, though, that you mentioned um, is pricing different on different platforms. Yep. So this can't be cross-listed to Poshmark. But if I were to cross-list it to cross-list an item there, um, why I can't mark cross list it because it weighs like Wait. nine and a half pounds or something. I think it weighs oh, okay. six pounds now, and I think I put it in as like nine right. or yeah, okay. because it's you know it's gonna have to be packaged, but yeah, it's way too heavy for Posh. I'm not paying the shipping on that. Mm-mm. Um, 
I but, just paid to ship an item on Poshmark this morning that was almost 10 pounds. Yeah, I've I've done it before. I messed up and did it before and had to pay extra, which it wasn't terrible because it was a higher priced, it was a big hiking pack and it was higher priced. But um yeah, I don't I don't want to have to think, no, I get think about that. I totally that. get that. I totally get that. Yeah. I, I price things so different. So that's what I was going to say. I price things differently on platforms like Mercari. I do free shipping. And I, so I price higher to make up for the shipping because I'm trying out where if I list consistently and have free shipping, is it going to make a difference or should I go back to using their shipping labels, even though they're expensive? I don't know. I'm trying it out. So I have to account for offers and paying for shipping there. I charge shipping, flat rate shipping on eBay. Poshmark, I mark everything 30 to 40% up because offers and fees. Mm -hmm. I want to see that when my item sells on Poshmark, that it's still going to sell for $100. Like I'm still going to get $100 in my account for that same item as if it, I had taken an offer on eBay and done the same thing. I try to make it so it's going to be even because people will pay higher prices on Poshmark. I sell some weird stuff on Poshmark and they, they get an offer, they get a deal. So they think it's great. <laughs> I tell you, it's the offer thing. I was going to say the offer thing, that percentage I was giving you before was more eBay thinking, because really when you go over to Poshmark, I think I maybe have sold 10 items in my years that were just buying and not some kind of offer. I mean, I think people offer a heck of a lot more on Poshmark than they do on eBay, at least yeah. in my, my mind. And, and they have higher fees. So you have to, mm -hmm. I, I, I count that as like a fee. Like most of my stuff sells with a 20% offer on Poshmark. Right. So they're paying like a 40% fee to sell things over there. So I mark it up accordingly. Yeah, that's a really good point about the platforms, who your audience is. Maybe you want to base it on who your audience is. Like um, if you're one mm -hmm. of the only ones selling a toy cannon on Poshmark, you might want to mark it even higher, right? Or right. if you're one of the only right. people selling it on that platform, because certain people will only be shopping on Poshmark or Mercari. They may never head over to eBay. We're talking different, different people, yep. different audience. Yeah. Yep. And it's something that I will never, ever, ever, ever list in my Facebook auction group because nobody over there is going to care about this 1950s toy cannon enough to pay hundreds of dollars. They're going to want it for 20. So I'm just never, I'm never going to list it there. Yeah, this is something that I will hang on to for a longer period of time and not expire as quickly because I don't have that backup plan of, well, I can, I can expire it out and, and still make a couple bucks. Mm. Yeah. So there shows you, we, we do handle things separately a lot of times, depending on the item. Items do not get treated equally in reselling. <laughs> they don't. Mm -hmm. And you know what I always think about? And it's actually um, a get for some of my consignment clients is when we were in the storefront, people would come in and they'd say, well, you know, I went to um, Style Encore is one of the chains around here or one of the buy outright um, consignment places. I put my hands in quotes with consignments for those of you listening on podcasts. Um, and they, they would say to us, oh, you know what? They just give you $20 for a coach bag or, you know, $5 for a Zara shirt or whatever. Um, those places have a price list, which I do not recommend 
doing this um, because it didn't matter whether you brought in like a lower end coach or a higher end coach, you were still going to get that $20 payout. So um, I know my clients really like, my consigners really like to know the fact that we research every single item, especially the higher end, the higher end ones I'm talking like $50 over, like we're looking at the specific style on shoes, on handbags, because it is, I mean, things vary wildly. And this goes for home goods too, within, within brands, like a plate is not a plate, right? Right. A Noritake plate is not a Noritake plate. It's just, their Lennox is not Lennox. There's so many variables you know, mm-hmm. within that brand. Um, so anytime you can look up the more specific lookup you do, if you're new to Terapeak and you're new to researching pricing, the more specific you can be, the more accurate you're going to be with your pricing. That was going to be my question for y'all. So yeah. I, I, like I've said, I've gotten to the point now where I pray, price pretty quick. I'm, mm-hmm. I don't spend a whole lot of time on pricing. I just don't. I pretty much know. So somebody knew that has to go through the growing pains that we went through years ago. Mm-hmm. It's not that difficult anymore. Like it was for us 11 years ago. Mm-hmm. Why? What tools, my friends are out there that you would recommend people to use to save time? Because what Libby time is, is money, save time in pricing your items. You want to get that done as quickly as possible. So Terapeak, if you're an eBay person, that's one. Mm-hmm. What other things would you recommend people use that are going to lessen? Oh I love more than anything. The best thing that has happened is Google Lens. Yes. On the desktop. Even- On the desktop. I love it. On the phone, I could, I could, you know, give it. Really? Time. What? I love it on the phone. That's where I use it all the time. Yeah, I use it on my phone more often because oh. I don't, I do a lot more things on my phone than my desktop, but well, I do I like both. The pictures taken, you Google lens it, it pops up right in your Chrome browser. You can literally cut and paste your keywords right into the listing. Same thing on your phone. Well, I'm not good on my phone like that. Oh, okay. Here's um, the also, go ahead, Samantha. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, you go. No. <laughs> I love if you're a desktop user and you like that, because uh, I have not tried it on my phone. I don't think you can do it on your phone. List Perfectly has it built in. So when you are uploading your items and doing things in there or going back and revamping old items, that is when I use it on my desktop. When mm. I am going back, looking at stale things and trying to give it some extra life before I expire it out. And I, you can click a little button right in there, the same as right clicking and using your Google, but it will put keywords into your listings. It will, it'll help with all that stuff. So yeah, Google Lens has been amazing and all the integrations that people are using for it. Oh my gosh, it has saved me countless hours. Well, when, as, as somebody who sources, I'm wearing my sourcing hair, don't care shirt today. (laughs) Sourcing hair, don't care. That's a great color too. So yeah. Yeah. Right. (laughs) source Um, it's great when you're out there sourcing and you pick up an item and you want a quick determine you're kind of going do I spend the money on this or not you just take a picture real quick pop it up it tells you exactly what you're looking at nine times out of ten every now and then you might take a picture of um GI Joe and it gives you a picture of a hot dog I don't know sometimes I mean probably not on a GI Joe but I have done pictures of like a candlestick 
and it doesn't give me a candlestick. It gives me a bunch of other things that the colors are the same of. So. eBay's version of an image search. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't tried Poshmark's yet. They just released theirs like last they did. week. Yeah. I haven't tried it yet, but eBay's scares me. So, yeah. That Google Lens on the phone is a time saver, y'all. If you don't do anything else, do that. Of course, we always recommend List Perfectly, always. And we have a code for that, Samantha Point. We have a code for that right there. Mm-hmm. Put that code in. You can point everywhere. Do you have to add it all over the screen? No, no, no. Don't do that. <laughs> so you can save money to get on List Perfectly. And Samantha, I like what you were just saying, how you use it for the older items. I, I just don't. I haven't used it that way yet. So now that's something I'm going to look at because I've not done that. Yeah, those keywords are life. And I I mean, I am still terrible about a lot of different keywords. But if you want to go back and my most of my pictures are pretty good. Like I've kept the same photo process for a while. So I look back at old things. I'm like, what could I do to just give it an extra oomph right now and maybe relist it on a couple platforms or and using a quick Google Lens search will really help you find what the current terms are that people are using for stuff. And it helps with sourcing. Like you said, I don't get cell phone service at a lot of places, so I'm flying blind a lot of times, but there was this one, I did have service. This man had a lot of amazing things and he had a flatware set that had like a big three drawer case. None of it was marked, but it was like this brass with like a teak wood handles. And they had like Oh my God. To have that, I totally want it. (laughs) I don't because I Google lensed it and saw that there were a bajillion currently for sale on every effing platform. And you you didn't get more than like 40 or 50 bucks out of it. And the guy wanted 20, which I mean, I almost wanted to buy it for myself, but I have a silver set and this thing was ridiculous. You could have fed a whole kingdom with these things. It was ridiculous. But it definitely helped because if I'd have been in a no service zone, I'd have been forking out 20 bucks for this sweet old man that was telling me the story of how he got it from the Philippines and I would have got it, but I, it would sit forever. And it was huge. It was so huge, but oh, so cool. But you can't buy things I'm just for buy one. Though. I'm going to go on eBay when we're done here and buy one for 40 there bucks. You go. I need a new flower set. Yeah. It there was really go. cool. <laughs> hopefully there's still 40 plus of them up there for $40. I sure hope so. Sure. Right. <laughs> oh my God. All right. So, so speaking of keywords before we move on, I mean, keywords are just everything, right? Like you really need to be describing, you need to be searching the correct keywords, but here's a little, here's a little tip, not the best tip I'm going to give you today. There's one more of those. When you are in Terapeak and you're searching the item with your specific style, you want to go ahead and you want to sort that column, just click the price, the sold price column, sort by highest. And you want to look at that listing and see what words they are using to describe it. Save yourself a lot of time and energy and just look at the highest priced items and see what they have different maybe than the lower price items. What word are they using for the same item that sold for less? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did that with that Canon. I was like, all right, why are these guys getting a hundred bucks yeah. when this other one sold for 20, like with one bid? Like, what are we yeah. doing? And, you know, yep. make sure, like like Samantha brought up earlier, the sell-through rate and how many are out there, because I did a great job. This is if you're sourcing consignment, you're going to take what what you take and what you do. But when you're going out there and sourcing items to put 
in your store. I had taught Nick beautifully how to search items and how to comp prices and all that. And he was doing a stellar job. And then one day he comes home with something and he's all excited. He said, I'm like, oh, that's cool. He's like, look, it's sold for whatever. And I'm like, oh, great. And then I go and look. And of course, there's like, you know, 50 of them sitting there to be sold. And I'm like, all right, so can I teach you something new, honey? <laughs> We're going to move on to stage two of the- Bless you know, your heart. Let me show your you heart. <laughs> you did such a good job. And now I'm going to, and now we're going to graduate you to the next level. <laughs> so make sure that you look at the not sold items and see how many are there. Look at how many sold. How long ago did they sell? Had they been selling recently? Or was it way back mm-hmm. when that they sold and none have been selling for, you know, a year now? Those things you do need to look at. Don't just look at the price. I always go to the price and I always hit highest price and shipping first. So the highest mm-hmm. come up because that's where I'm I'm going to list mine up in that area. So I always do that first. But then I also look at all the other things like what are the dates that are on there when they sold and then go back to the unsold and look at how many how many are out there? Mm-hmm. So you were going to add to that? Heck, if I remember what that was. Already it was, gone. It was a quick all right, blip. So, all right. Commentary on the expression, fast nickel, slow dime. Okay. What do you want commentary on it? What do you want? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, do you I, want the I, fast I, nickel? I, or I, slow dime? say, or are you one or the other? I'm both. No, I'm both oh. because- I like I said when I'm sitting there and I'm sorting through consignment because we're taking what they're giving us. You can niche down, you can do your, you can you know tell people you want certain things, whatever. I'm I'm everything. I'm literally everything, and so I'm going through. And I had Except a bunch of tank clothes. All right, sorry. So, okay. <laughs> Except people still bring them to me sometimes, and I still sell them. Um, oh, you put that out there now. It is oh, now out wow. on a recording on YouTube. And hopefully, pod. none of my consigners watch this. So, <laughs> don't open your front door. I don't know what's going to be <laughs> out there now. A giant hole because they're doing construction. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. So, sorry. So, I am losing my train of thought. Oh, they're, they're bringing me boxes and bags of a mishmash of stuff. And I'm going through and I had, like I said, I was going through clothing and I had, oh, there's that vintage snowsuit. I'm listing that, you know, for sure. That's going on the websites, on the inventory. There you go. There was a bunch of tank tops, sizes large to 3X, all different styles, mostly Walmart, you know, like lower at inner tank tops. Even if it's a, a fancy, there was like an American Eagle, whatever one. I don't know how much time I'm going to spend listing a tank top, mm-hmm. but I lauded them up by size. You know, I had six of this size and five of this size and two of this size. And mm-hmm. I threw them up for a dollar a lot in my auction group, sold $30 worth of tank tops. So that I want that fast nickel, even if they all sold for a dollar, that's better than me sending them to Goodwill because that's what would have happened with them. I'm not wasting time putting them right. up, but the other stuff, I'm going to list for higher that vintage snowsuit. I still need to, um, I still need to comp that. And that that's probably going to sit there for a year. If it does, you know, I'll let it sit there for a year if it needs to, because that baby's cool and it's, it's special. Right. So I'm both. Right. Yeah. Good. And I think we, but I think we all probably subscribe to that theory, but I constantly yes. hear people say, what kind of store do you want to have? And I say, 
do oh. it per item. Do it yeah. per item. You don't have to say you're one of you the know, other. It makes me think of the Disney pins. Like Disney oh. pins are not, you know, every now and then with Disney pins, you'll find the whammy, the whoa, Nelly, I just made a big killing on that. And I found one of those. My son had one of those that we put on auction. I was looking it up real quick and went, oh, wow. Again, there were only what, two sold and none listed. And I decided to put it on there. And I, I did. The funny thing was, I didn't tell Libby about it at the time. And all of a sudden she calls me, what is this thing dinging on my phone that's getting all the bids? <laughs> it was crazy. That's it awesome. ended up going for over, what, $300 mm-hmm. for this little Disney pin. Every now and then you find that, but the majority of them are not that. They're just not. I mean, that's very, very rare that that happens now. So what I do is just list them all at the same price across the board. Every Disney pin, dollars, $19, $19, $19. Mm-hmm. And now they're sitting up there, bread and butter. And what, how often, every couple of weeks, I'll sell one. Yeah. Meanwhile, I'm listing all my high-end stuff, but every couple of weeks, I get these sales that come in, you know. Mm-hmm. And, then we and that's going to do. And wants me to lot a bunch up for, because she wants 12 of them for a grandchild. You know, great. We'll do that right. Yeah. Don Nolder, one of our community members, the Thai guy, as people have been calling him lately, I was um, on a listing party one night and unboxed a bunch of Lena Lou hummingbird collector's plates. I hate collector's plates. I look at collector's plates and I'm like, oh my God, I hate these things. I'm with you on that. Most of them. Yeah. Most of them are like a dollar. I don't, I'm not dealing with them. And the first one I pulled out was not the I think it's Lena Lou or something like that. I pulled it out and he goes, Oh, that's Lena Lou and it's blah, blah, blah. And I said, No, it's not. It's whatever. And it sells for $5 and it's, it's going to Goodwill or whatever. I pulled out like eight more and I'm like, I'm going to lot these up. I'm going to sell them for $10 on my auction site. And I'm going to be done with them because they're not sitting here. And he goes, No, you're not. You're going to list them and you're going to list them for $20 a piece at least. And they're, they're going to sell. You're, you're going to be fine. Because the other eight were Lena Lou and they were a set and they were whatever. And I said, so can I just put them for like a set for like 40 bucks? And he's like, no, they're no, you're going to list them. You're going to list them for. So I think I put them all up for like $19. One of them might've been a little higher. Cause I did look them up, put them all up. I've already sold like three of them. And that was only a couple weeks ago. Yep. And I was ready to fast time them $10 in my auction group. They probably wouldn't even have sold. I probably would have had to run that auction a couple of times. So some things you must defer to your friends on apparently and, and just, and just go with it. Some of them comped a little lower. Some of them comped a little higher. I listed them all for $19 plus shipping. And here we go. One sold on Mercari, one sold on Poshmark and one sold on eBay. Oh Oh my gosh. (laughs) That's crazy. A trifecta she got I, there let's talk team. about like breaking things up when we're pricing like china sets and yes. flatware sets and how do you decide what you're going to do if you have a set of those and this is a constant point of contention because um as most of you know my mom will come and she'll photograph and she'll work with me she'll help me out um and she's like we get a lot and she's like can we just sell them all together like this is just ridiculous and i'm like I always, almost always, there are very few exceptions to the rule and, and books are one of them or DVD sets. Um, if I get a set of China, chances are people are looking for a replacement. I will break mm-hmm. up every single piece and sell it individually. And, um, and that in the long run has made us and the consigner way more money than trying to sell a whole set. Yeah. 
board games. Yeah. Oh, board games. Board games. Yeah. I love finding board games at garage sales or thrift stores. I will spend hours in the game aisle and look up each one. And I just get so much pleasure from buying a couple dollar game or 25 cents at a garage sale. And I sell them little Monopoly pieces for $8. And then I sell a stack of the money for $8. And then I sell, I just, I love bits and pieces like that. I've only ever sold like two complete games, which is hilarious because if people actually looked, they could buy the entire Monopoly game for $8 and get all the pieces they wanted from it. But no, they would rather spend like 10 on my pieces. <laughs> Speaking of board games, y'all, when I went um, for the Highway 21 yard sale with Stuart and Amy, which we'll talk more about. Which we I, weren't going to talk about. And this is the second time she's mentioned it already. So. I know, but you're bringing up these things and I'm like, they're so. <laughs> Stay Stuart's tuned for future them. episodes when she's actually allowed to talk about it. <laughs> We went to, we found an estate sale off the highway that we went over to. Best thing we did. There were so many cool things in there, but Stuart found before he got there first, darn it, um, a whole bunch of vintage board games. They were the coolest, cutest. I mean, so I'd never seen them before. Awesome. Just the boxes themselves before you open them up and look at the pieces were amazing. Mm-hmm. And little coloring books, the old vintage coloring books. He grabbed them all and bought them bottom is a lot but uh and he shows them if you go over to his franklin hill venture page you can see what he got but they are so cool so cool that was my favorite part of the auction i mean i have one right here that i need to reship out because it was damaged um but these were vintage dominoes like plastic like they didn't look like much but they came in a lot and i sold these for like 12 dollars, i think on poshmark with vintage dominoes i think 12 dollars is what i made from them they sold for more but um yeah, I just love, I've sold the boxes, the boards, the pieces, the money, the, sometimes the inserts. Mm-hmm. Like if you get like a Monopoly game or a life game and it has like a carousel for money or cards or thing, sometimes you can just sell those certain inserts that go in the box because somebody wants to complete their set or it's integral to that game. So the child got mad and ripped it when they were trying to. <laughs> that happened at Libby's house. They get very, they get very competitive with their there, board games. That's a competitive yes. crew yeah, over there. there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll be curious to see if um, Stuart parts those old vintage games or sells them yeah. as a whole. I'll be. Yeah. So that's, yeah. Them. That's another thing to think so, about with pricing. Like what, what's going to get you the most money. So I have two games from that auction from a couple months ago that I did not part out. I kept them together. I have a cootie game. I think it's cootie instead of cooties. I don't remember, but I have a cootie game and I have like a 1950s Monopoly game. And I said, they're in great condition. They're like, they're perfect. Other than a little like dust that was on them. I said, I'm going to leave them. It's been a couple months. And honestly, now I'm thinking maybe I should go part them out. Maybe I should just sell 1940s cootie legs and 1940s cootie bodies Mm. i was about to say parting out that cootie game will be a lot of parts those guys put it in the comments let us know what should you do should she part the 1940s cooties out and it's hard because i already put the time in to list them as is not that it was a lot of time but cooties you got the cooties oh lord oh my gosh all right, guys. Anything else? We were going to do a quick 15-minute chat, guys. Come on. It's what never, are we doing here? Off it's the never. rails. Off the rails again. All right. So I'm going to give you a tip. All right. Here we go. We're going to role play because I know you love this, Molly. 
I'm gone. I'm it wouldn't sure. be an episode if I didn't make you uncomfortable. All right. <laughs> you get like something it. in. You're looking it up. You cannot find a comp for it. It's just, it may be one of a kind. It may be just, there's very few for sale. What do you do? Well, you don't spend too much time on it mm. because time is money, first of all. Yep. So you determine, do you know an expert in the area that you can quickly reach out to and have them look at it? Join I, our community. Right? <laughs> yeah. Go in our community, give it a quick throw up in the community, let people look at it and see if they can identify it. That's always something we've always done. If we can't identify something is put it in our social media page and let our, our people tell us if they know what it is, which mm -hmm. is actually extremely entertaining, by the way, extremely entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. So I would do that. But in the end, if I don't, can't actually find comps, I would in the end start out. I don't know. I'd price it high. I'd put it up first and price it high. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Look for it's, things that are similar in some, I mean, like it's, if it's a certain plate of a certain type that has a certain kind of image on it, if you can't find that exact one, what are other ones going for? And I mean, that can be hard because different artists are different things or this or that, but like you said, price high, price high. you'll know if you're going to get views, if you get, if I get watchers, that's like the most gratifying thing ever. Like I'm like, Oh, I didn't know what I was pricing this for. I didn't know what I was doing. But I got watchers. So it must be doing sometimes, something, right? Sometimes I look at those 12 watchers looking at a pair of boots and go, what are you waiting for? Are you waiting for them to walk across the screen? Buy the deck of boots. Yes. <laughs> All right. So this tip I got from Craigslist Hunter many years ago, and it was one of the best tips I ever got. If you get something in and you cannot determine its value comfortably, you price it uber high like a little higher than you think it would ever go uh, see samantha we weren't right we just said high so uber we're wrong high. no you want to uber price high. it higher than you think it would ever ever go um all right so you let it i'm talking ebay now so you let it sit there higher you will get people know-it-alls that of course come to you people that just want to be helpful that will help you identify it for just being nice good people um mm -hmm. so you're going to get that you're going to get watchers if it does have a high value um, you might get offers that will tell you what the value is without you having to assign it one. Um, but in the meantime, you're collecting watchers and you would leave it there for like three, three weeks to a month, you know, leave it at that uber high price that you do not expect to get, but you're collecting information, you're collecting watchers, and then you send it to auction a little yeah. lower than the offers that you have received. So once, so when you send something to auction, it's going to notify all of those watchers that it, your item is now on auction. Oh, and cause you're just converting that listing. You're converting switching that the style. Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. Right. That should allow you to get the best price you can without knowing an initial value. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, then, we've used that several times. It's been it's been so helpful. Yeah. I like it. And then I can't remember what you told me, and I tried that with, and it did not work. So I ended oh. up putting the thing up for twenty nine dollars and sold it. So, you know, it depends on the item, but I can't remember what well, it was. But you told me that before. But it did like, it did work because wow. you know now that you don't have something super valuable, right? Because it's how to identify. Right. It wasn't one of those things that you put up for 
you know, $29 initially, it sold within three minutes and you go, oh God, I really screwed up. I so did one of those recently too. That. Yeah. And, so, and that's a good point. Like I'm, I'm not, I said earlier, like, oh, I just ignore the comps that were auctions. I'm not anti-auction, but when yeah. there's, when there's lots of stuff, lots of that item listed, people shouldn't be doing auctions. Now that can, and now since there are none listed and I could see for the dates and stuff too, people bought the the lower priced ones and then there was nothing left but the higher priced ones so they paid a hundred dollars and whatever mm -hmm. for those so that's why i'm okay with listing high when there's only a few because the other ones they can sell first that's okay and yeah. then mine's gonna sell because it's gonna be the only one left i technically could auction mine right now at my 139 or whatever i listed it for and i'd be happy getting 139 it might go up higher because there's none other listed it also might be a total waste of time. I don't know. That's one of those like in the middle ones where, okay. So try my, try my trick and process with it. See if yeah. it works. Try it. Go. Price it at 249. Oh, let it ride, let it ride for a, let it ride for a month. And then send it we invite in. Teresa Cox in here. That's what I'm feeling right now. Every time I talk to <laughs> Teresa, she's like, why didn't she list that higher? I'm like, oh, you, yep. I just, when I think I have a handle on something, you guys give me a complex. Yep. <laughs> I just love, that's what I love. I'm, I'm, I'm on the Teresa train with that. Go high. All right. Quick question. What if that happens to you? Because it's happened to all of us where we price something too low. It sells immediately and we beat ourselves up about it what do don't you do up. so I've done this I got like I don't know anything about jewelry I hate listing jewelry I can't stand jewelry but I got like a tarnished terrible looking Tiffany necklace and I comped it there's tons out there but there's also tons sold comped it listed it for I don't even know how much $200 or whatever it was that I thought was fair got offer after offer after offer within minutes and then it sold within like a, an hour for full asking price. And I beat myself up about it. I was so like, oh my God, I could have got so much more. How did I not notice that? Like, did I not comp it correctly? But, and now when that happens, I'm like, no, I thought that was a fair price. It sold for that price. I didn't immediately take an offer or do whatever. What, why? Why an hour ago did I think that was a stellar price? And now because it sold quickly, I'm like, worried. no, I'll just price it a little higher if I get another That's one. But otherwise it sold. I just made the money. I thought I was going to make You're happy. It. You made That's money. Your consigner made money. That's a beautiful, beautiful thing. That's the and nickel part. The customer's happy. And if you did, you are going to screw up and you are going to make that mistake. I mean, we've all made it multiple times. It happens. Yep. If you did your due diligence of looking to like, I don't know if I could have got much more out of that. I think they're just hot items and they sell at a certain price point very quickly. Now, if I had not comped it and then looked it up after the fact and went, oh my God, I could have got another like $500 out of that, that I would beat myself up about. But if you're doing your comping, don't spend a ton of time researching. I don't think we can stress that enough, but if you're doing your comping and you're happy with that price. It doesn't matter if it sells in an hour or a year. You you got that price. You're happy with it. It's fine. Mm -hmm. no. <laughs> Sorry, y'all. A little coughing there. Woo. Um, okay, on that note, my friends, I think I'm going to have to end this and say goodbye. Yeah, our chest hurt. Please, We're done. Please, for the love of God, end We're it. Done. <clears throat> uh, water, it's hard hey, to watch. <laughs> 
We're a little resentful that Libby is not sick right now. (laughs) I didn't quite hit the mute button in time. All right, ladies, until next time. Cheers. Thanks for joining Libby, Molly, and Samantha, the ladies of Consignment Chats, as we build a resourceful community of collaborative resellers. Find all the ways to connect with us on consignmentchats.com. Episodes are available on YouTube and anywhere you get your podcasts. In addition, join our free private Facebook community.